0: So glad that you guys are here. We're going to continue on in our series called Just Walk Across the Room. And essentially what we're talking about is evangelism. And evangelism is a loaded word nowadays. It's got some good and bad connotations. But what we're talking about is reaching outside of these walls to the people that need to know that God loves them. So Pastor Jerry kicked us off last week and really covered the first couple chapters of the book Just Walk Across the Room And what he talked about is that we as the church develop these things called comfort zones or comfort circles, and quickly we we become a community that is insulated from the world. We're going to talk more about that later, but that we need to walk across the room to those that are far from God. And the reason we need to is purely because Jesus is our example, and that's what he did. And he's our example in two ways. One, he didn't stay in the comfort zone of heaven, but in fact, he came down here to us. And two, when he was here, he didn't just stay in the synagogues. He didn't just stay in the churches, and he didn't just seek the religious. He went into the streets, and it actually, it was the irreligious, it was the outcasts, it was the prostitutes, it was the broken that were drawn to Jesus. And it's a question that I struggle with, and I think the question that the church has been struggling with for a long time And it's this. If we're not attracting those that Jesus attracted, then there's something wrong. Right? If this is a church of Jesus Christ, and we're not attracting the broken and the outcast, and if they're not welcome in our churches, then there's something wrong. And that's what we're talking about today. That's why we're talking about walking across the room. Because I will tell you, our leadership, and I know some of you are no longer content to sit in our churches, insulated from the world. We need to go out into a world that needs Jesus. But a hard part about following Jesus is that Jesus does really amazing stuff. Sometimes we look in the Bible and we're like, oh, that's great that Jesus did it, but he's Jesus, right? And let me be clear, it's okay that you don't think that you're Jesus. That is a good thing. (laughs) But the reason he came as a man and not as Thor, if you haven't seen the new Thor movie, it's great, you know, but I just was struck by that, that Jesus could have come down in power and just been like, evangelize, and we would have been like, okay, you know. But instead he came as a man, and he suffered as a man so that we could emulate him and follow him. Right To be a disciple is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And one thing I love about Bill Hybels' books is Bill Hybels didn't just figure out this brand new way of doing evangelism. Bill Hybels just knows Jesus. And throughout this book, it's not a new trick. And so some of you guys may have come in and said, I, I, Charlie, I hear these messages all the time. And I always walk away convicted and I know I should do things but I just don't know what to do. And maybe you're looking for a new track to hand out or a new thing to draw on a napkin. And those are great tools, and I I hate to let you down, but just walk across the room is not another tool. But it is going to change the way we think about evangelism. It's going to change the way we approach evangelism. Because when you look through the scriptures, you would hope that Jesus would kind of have the same thing that he did with every person he shared the love of God with, but he switches it up. And we're going to talk about how we do that today and how we can emulate Jesus in changing up the way that we present God's love to people. So we're going to be looking today. We're, it's called 3D Living. And the reason it's called 3D Living is because we're sharing three things, and they all start with D. So, Christians, we love that. Let's dive in. And the first one is develop friendships. Develop friendships friendships. We have a, a graph, and if you've been reading along with us, they put this graph in the book, and I kind of whipped up just a version of it, and what it really shows is on this x-axis, it's the years as a Christian, right? So 1 to 15, so by the time you reach your teens as a Christian, right? And then our interactions with those that are far from God, those that don't believe in Jesus. And it's really interesting, and I think we would all say we see this happen, yeah, especially you know, for me, I, I grew up in the church, but especially if you were not a Christian and found Jesus, as your life changes, you notice it, maybe you don't go out and get that beer with your friends after work. Maybe you don't. And so those interactions start to kind of shrink. And part of that is just because it's, it's your community. You start getting to know other Christians. You grow deep friendships and you want to spend time with Christians. But what's, what's interesting to me is that, that steep decline. And by the time our eighth or ninth or tenth year, we're no longer encountering non-Christians. And like I said, part of that is just because the nature of being a part of a community. But if we know it's important, if every time we hear one of these messages on evangelism, we kind of go, yeah, I know, I'm sorry, you know, why isn't that number higher? Why isn't it maybe at least in the, you know, five to ten? And Hybels in his book points out a few reasons, and I've kind of given them their own names. The first is the idea of Christian specialization. And what I mean by this is that a lot of times we get into a church, we hear a message like like what Pastor Jerry said, that you need to walk across the room. And you're like, yeah, someone should do that. <laughs> right? But I'm on the worship team, and that takes a lot of time. I can't be out there talking to people. I've got to be practicing. I'm going to be the best worship leader ever. And so we pass the buck on down the line. And we think that we can just train a couple people to be the professional evangelists. And a lot of times that ends up being pastors. And not so much me. I, I hear story after story from Pastor Ron, and I love Pastor Ron because he'll, he'll tell us a story. He'll get a call from someone, a very sweet lady, and she says, Pastor Ron, I have been asking my neighbor to come to church for 10 years and praying for her and praying for her. And her husband died a couple weeks ago. And she called me the other day and said, I've just been worrying about the afterlife and, and what death means and who God is. And I'd really like to talk to you. And, and Pastor Ron, I think you should go talk to her. <laughs> you know, and, and I love Pastor Ron. And on Friday, I almost said, Pastor Ron wants to pull out all of his hair. But then I was going to change that joke, but I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> Tim, if you could edit that out so when he listens to the podcast, I don't get in trouble. But what I love about Pastor Ron is like, you know who should be sharing the gospel? with that neighbor, the ladies that have been praying for her by name for 10 years, right? There is a friendship. There is a relationship. And and don't get me wrong. Pastor Ron can give a gospel message with the best of them. But when you have developed that friendship, you have a trust. They have seen that. They know that you care for them. And that gives you that special way. And so we can't just have professional evangelists, even ones as good as Pastor Ron. We're all meant to be evangelists. You're all meant to be pastors. No matter where you work, you are the pastor of that place. Pastor just means shepherd. You're meant to shepherd those people you come in contact with. The second thing that happens, though, as Christians, and this one's a little bit less acceptable, is kind of the ooh gross factor, right? The longer you get to be a Christian, you surround yourself with people that don't curse and don't watch bad movies, and we kind of slowly cocoon ourselves away from the world. And by no means am I telling you, like, start listening to gangster rap or, you know what I mean? Charlie told me. But what I am saying is that soon our social calendars are all Christian events. And when we are around people that aren't Christians, we get this kind of, ooh. And again, you just don't see that with Jesus. I don't think what people were drawn to about Jesus was the, ooh, gross factor. In fact, Scripture is really clear in Matthew 5. This is what it says. This is what we should be to non-Christians. It says this, No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The truth of the matter is, is, as much as we love it when you come to church and as much as we want you to be in an Ohana group, And we believe service is so important. If those are the places where your light shines, it's being wasted. And in a world where they need that light, you're putting it under a basket. And the way that we reach out, the way we shine is by developing friendships. Hybels puts a different graph later in the book. And he's kept the x-axis the same, that it's years as a Christian, but he adds a new thing to the y-axis, and that's this idea of our love quotient the love that is in you. And as you become a Christian, you accept grace, you use your gifts for others, you start to focus on people, and then you spread grace to others. And the longer you're a Christian, he paints this image, and I love the way he describes it. He says, when you're on your deathbed in the hospital, you should be like running around the hospital, just grabbing people and telling them about Jesus. And I hope you've known someone who's walked with Jesus for a long time who's like that. You just can't. Shut them up. They just love talking about Jesus. That love quotient is so high in them, they're almost unashamed. We begin to act purposefully in developing friendships with people that are far from God. One of the knocks against Christian evangelism, have you ever heard this, that you start to think of people as projects, right? You walk around and you look at someone and you're like, you know, and I think I can do it. I'm going to break my record two weeks. I'm going to have them dunked, you know, and then, and if we meet resistance if that person rejects the gospel, we kind of move on because it's all about shooting percentage, right? I can't waste my time, you know, I need to move on. And in the same way, Jesus looked at people with potential, but in a very different way. Last week, we, one of the main passages that Jerry looked at and one of the main passages in the book is when Jesus says, I have come to seek and save the lost. But in the context before that, it tells the story of Jesus encountering Zacchaeus. Have you heard the story of Zacchaeus? He has that wonderful song that I'm sure he loves to hear in heaven anytime anybody meets him. Oh, you're a wee little man, you know. <laughs> As a wee little man, I, I empathize with Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus is in this tree and Jesus sees him and he's like, I'm coming to your house. And they go to Zacchaeus' house. And if you don't know anything about tax collectors in that day, Zacchaeus did not have a lot of visitors. And he is so moved by this affection that Christ has shown him that he gives all of his money away. And Jesus, after one act of trying to fix a life of crookedness, Jesus says, this is a son of Abraham. Right, because he saw the potential of Zacchaeus this tiny little man in a tree, and he changed Zacchaeus' life. In the same way, when we walk into the world developing friendships with people, we just see potential. But instead of seeing them as this quick project that we want to flip, we just develop a friendship. We don't know what God is going to do or what God is already doing in that person's life. There's a guy in our Ohana group named John, and he said in a really, a really funny way, Uh, we were talking about this idea of talking to people about Jesus, and he's like, it's kind of like dating. And I was like, John, I I don't know if you were listening. (laughs) It's not what we're trying to do. Um, Missionary dating rarely works, right? But he said, no, seriously, think about it. He's like, I know as a guy, sometimes I see a pretty girl, and before I even like take a step to go talk to her, I go, oh, she's probably not interested. And in the same way, we see that kind of crusty guy at work, and we're like, I don't think he'd be interested in hear about Jesus. And we count ourselves out. But let's say you do work up that courage. Let's say you're like, okay, I'm going to go develop a friendship. What do I say? Unfortunately, Hybels is really smart, and he kind of tells us the next step. That next step is to discover stories. Discover stories. Another knock against Christian evangelism outside of seeing people as projects is, a lot of times, have you ever heard this phrase, I don't like it when people shove their religion down my throat i think sometimes we're really passionate we're really excited we have a story that we want to tell and we're just not that interested in their stories right somebody will tell you oh yeah one time I, I i went to a shaman healer and you're like well that's satan so listen to me you know and we we get so excited we shove our religion down people's throats and what Heibel says is instead we should maybe come in and be quick to listen And James is pretty clear in Scripture. In James 1.19, it says this, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Interestingly, I think the best way to get the story of God across is maybe to first listen. To understand what they care about, where they've been, their hurts, what they think about God. Because surprisingly, people have a lot Of thoughts about God. And sometimes we kind of shout it down because we know everything, we have the truth, and that's wonderful, but first we need to understand where they're coming from. And the reason this is really helpful, there's three reasons. First of all, it just helps to deepen that friendship you're trying to develop. Have you ever noticed that the people you really love to see are the people that listen to you? I know that because I am not that guy. I have to work on being a good friend because I'm just so excited. I just want to, I try to interrupt and talk over people. But the people that you find yourself being drawn to are the ones that take an interest in your life, who want to hear the things you care about. And if you've ever talked to somebody and just asked them, what do you care about? What's people's favorite thing to talk about? Themselves, right? But not only that, the second thing it really does is it helps you to empathize with them. If we don't want to view people as projects, we've got to seek to understand people. And as you hear their life story and what they've been through and and what they value, you begin to see them in 3D, kind of like we're talking about today. You see that person as a real person. But lastly, it really does help us communicate the gospel better. If you think about it, uh, so many times we love to tell the story of God, and we tell the, the story of God as a good, good father. But if you're telling that story to someone whose father was absent or father was abusive, they're not gonna understand that. The concept of God as a father is awful. I don't want a father. Or sometimes we tell people Bible stories and we don't know, hey, I grew up in the church. I've heard all the Bible stories. Instead of telling them the stories that we already know, we need to hear their story. What happened? How did the church hurt you? Because as much as we love the church, it's made up of people. And the church hurts people sometimes. And Sometimes we just need to listen and better understand. I was on a plane coming back to the mainland. I went to a conference in California. And I was on my way back. And I sat down next to two gals. And they were really nice. They, I was going to be in the middle. But they let me have the window seat, um, which is always fun. I'm, I'm kind of wide. So I actually prefer having a little. Next but I was, you know, I was like, okay, thank you, that's very nice. And so we sat down and we started talking. And so I quickly found out they were a lesbian couple from the East Coast. And I knew it was going to happen, right? We're talking, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And then it's like, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't lie, right? That's one of the things about being a Christian. So I should find up an alternate title, you know, when people are like a janitor and they're like, I'm a, you know, specialist in, you know, I don't. Know, I should come up with a cooler title for pastor to trick people. But the, the conversation kind of went down. And I understand, I understand what they expect and who they expect me to be. And so I watched Wonder Woman and uh, it was very good. <laughs> uh, not to like earn their, no, I just wanted to see Wonder Woman. And so, um, and, then I, and then I was journaling and, and the reason I was journaling, and I, and I think most people know this, but Lisette and I are having a, a baby in April. And um, yeah, so yeah, this is the announcement I guess. Yes, well thank you. She is thrilled to death that that just happened. Um, and I was just journaling, kind of freaking out on paper about, I mean, names and all this stuff. And so I was like, I just felt this prompting from God. He's like, you should ask their advice about this. And I was like, okay. And so I kind of took my headphones out and I was like, I'm really sorry to do this, but can I just tell you what's going on in my life? And they're like, sure. I mean, we're on a plane. What are they going to say? <laughs> no. Um, and so I just kind of started telling them, like, I don't know what to name the kid. And, like, we're both full-time. And I'm worried about, you know, what is it like to be a dad and stuff? And you know what? They gave me some incredible advice. They were incredibly sweet people. Um, one of them has nephews that she loves very, very much. And she was just telling me what she's learned from helping raise her nephews and being able to be there for her brother and his kids. And, and they were so incredibly kind. And I learned so much from their story. And it was, and then we ended up talking about God. And I didn't even, I mean, partly I'm a pastor, so they're like, oh, what is God? You know, we ended up talking about God. We had a great discussion about their thoughts about God, and I learned so much about them, and I was really blessed. And I think one of the reasons we jam religion down their throats is we think we have the truth, and we do. We have Jesus. But we forget that every single person out there is made in the image of God. That as they go through life, God shows them things, too. They learn things, too. And when we listen to other people's stories, I think you'll be blessed as well. As I was blessed by this couple, they were incredibly, incredibly kind to me. I gave them my my number, told them if they needed anything. um, And you know what? Nothing might come of that. Or maybe I'll see those two in heaven. And I moved them a centimeter along the scale of knowing who God is and knowing his love. And one of the best parts of this book, and this is the last D in our three Ds, is discerning next steps. And I think it's the most important one. because sometimes I think in evangelism we get this complex that it's all on us, right? That I gotta find this lost person, I gotta tell them the gospel, I gotta get them all the way, I gotta dunk them, I gotta disciple them and if, if anything gets lost in that, then we're done and we put so much pressure on ourselves and um, Danny and I just came back, like I said, from a conference and uh, this guy preached on this passage in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through he says this, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. What I love about this is that you're not alone in evangelism. In fact, you're not even the one who does the heavy lifting of evangelism. It's God who accomplishes this. In fact, God's working in that couple's life already. I just got to come and briefly be a part of it. And what I love about this too is that it affects how we see the other two Ds. We can develop friendships because God's working it out. I don't need to come on strong and try to quickly. I can just become someone's friend. I can discover their stories. And when we listen to their stories, you can realize maybe a seed's already been planted. I just need to water it. Or maybe a seed hasn't been planted, but I can wait in that friendship. I can wait for that time to plant that seed. All we have to do is discern the next step that God has and the work he's already doing in that person's life. Now in the book, Hybels does say that there are some things that if you're at a loss, if you're not hearing the Holy Spirit in that moment going, I just don't know what to do. One thing he says you can do is just be a great resource to people, right? There is amazing writing, not to mention scripture itself you can point people to. If they have questions, be like, hey, I think it'd be really great if you just read the book of John. And maybe here, read it in this version because if you're trying to read the New King James Version, sometimes people are like, I have no idea what that means, right? resourcing them with a better version, the message maybe, something easier for them to understand. Maybe if they're a music person, there's great songs being written by people people that love Jesus. But the other things that he says you can do is just be there. Just show up. Just be there for people. So often it's in those moments of crisis that someone has a question. And you know who they're not gonna call? That guy who one time you know, shoved the gospel down their throat and said they're going to call that friend, that person who's been there, that person who tells them God loves them all the time but doesn't try to force the issue. Just be there. I love that they call it 3D living because I think when we start to look at evangelism in this light, it really does become 3D. It does become something that is a little bit more manageable and honestly, it becomes something that's kind of fun. Just befriending people. Just listening to people's stories. And trusting that the Holy Spirit is doing something there already. And discerning that your next step in that. And maybe that next step is like we've talked about with this wall. Maybe it's just a conversation. I went over and I just wrote down the conversation that I had with that couple. Maybe it's an invitation to church. And hopefully at the end of this process, we will see the fruit that we want and that is people coming to know Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we're so thankful that you do the heavy lifting in evangelism, Lord, that you're the one who makes the seed grow. I pray that you would guide us, that you would order our steps as we befriend people, as we draw close to people. Would you give us opportunities to reach out to them and share our stories with them, to share your story with them, God, lead us. Give us those opportunities. Give us the courage to take hold of them when they come. We're so thankful for you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.